<laughs> All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. <laughs> well, you're, you're hopeful that it happens here with the Tigers. As this is the postgame show brought to you by friends over at oddstrader.com and the podcast. So I decided to, I realized we, we were, wow, is everything okay? <laughs> Sorry, I heard that all the way in the mic. Is she all right? Yeah, everything's okay. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, welcome to Woodward Tigers post game show slash podcast. So, I decided that because if we normally record around nine o'clock, nine thirty ish, but with the game going on, I didn't get a chance to cover the game today. And normally, but I, usually the Tigers don't play on Thursdays or they have some sort of strange thing where they play in the afternoon. So, but I worked my day job pretty much all day. So, uh, that being said, this is so, a melding. We're melding. Yeah, we're melding together, and we're synergy. It's synergy. It's synergy, Uber. It's just a big thing of synergy here. But uh, Tigers win 4-3. I said 5-4. I don't know why I said 5-4 earlier, but uh, Miguel Cabrera with two RBIs. He had the game-winning walk-off single in the ninth, and Detroit gets it done. And, again, Tarek Skubal just uh, pitching a masterpiece, just like if the song – the. No, I'm not gonna make any more obscure references to bands you guys have never heard of. So, but that being said, alongside me is Duper and Chris. You can find us on Spotify, Our Heart Media, and Stitchler. But uh, yeah, the Tigers have now won two in a row. They finished the rest of the week for Memorial Day. Memorial Day is already Monday. That's already crazy to me. And this month has flown by, but this month has been uh, this week has been very strange for Uper, especially Uper. It's been a strange week for Chris. Uh, in some ways, yes, it, it also has been. And, and so uh, on this side of things, it's, it's a little weird. So Detroit, I don't know, like the, the, the Alavila is, is the worst manager of all time. Robert James astutely pointed out that he has a higher winning percentage, or Randy Smith has a higher winning percentage than Alavila. But I thought that, and I'll still stand by this, that I thought that Randy Smith was, a, in terms of drafting, was terrible. Well, Randy Smith was the architect of the 2002 and 2003 teams that lost a billion games. He just, he was so bad. He wasn't there anymore. Uh, yeah. I guess the difference now is it, when did Randy Smith take over? 96? Nine, yeah. Yeah. Beginning of 96, I believe it was. Yeah. So he got about six years. The difference is Alabila has gotten seven with the pandemic thrown in there, I guess. Yeah. So that, yeah, but that being said, it's it, Detroit needed to, this is kind of, again, this is a, this is a team right now, offensively speaking, to the bottom of the barrel, of a lot of categories. I'm not gonna. There's is, tonight. I'm not gonna dunk on it because, I mean, we can reflect it later on our segments. But uh, no, I'll, I'll start with you, Uper. In terms of, the, you, you had an interesting week where you wrote an article where you didn't claim you're the expert, and I have to I have to address this because I feel like it's it's important. Okay. And there was a little discussion between you and and again, I'm not gonna go in the the names of parties involved. And I thought you wrote the article in a way that. Didn't say you're an expert. I took offense to calling MCB a place I used to work at as a quote unquote bottom of the barrel log. And I didn't really, I mean, what, what bottom of the barrel logs get 
press credentials. I don't, <laughs> I don't, that's, that's crazy. But uh, either way, uh, Uber, okay, I, before we get into the Tigers and everything, I just wanted to ask, I, we talked about it last week. You were going to do something with that and your idea behind it. And so there was good, sure. news, good news today that uh, Austin Meadows is doing, resuming some baseball activities. Great Riley news. Green. Yeah, so that's some great news. But take me through that whole process because it was – Sure. You know, go ahead. Yeah, you know, the thing about it is I, I, I was – as much as I'm not a journalist, I'm not a professional journalist, I'm just a guy with an opinion who likes to put his words out there and see who wants to read it. My idea on the whole situation with Meadows was to just tell people the first things that popped into my mind. And the first things that popped into my mind were that dizziness like that can, can last a long time when you hear the word vertigo. So, and the next thing that popped in my mind was because I'm kind of a student of history was Alan Shepard in the space program and how his seemingly perfect career was totally sidetracked out of nowhere because he woke up one day not feeling well. And it sent him on a um, decade-long pursuit of fixing it. And it finally did, and he got back to space, and it was, it was a good ending for him. But it took a, a decade. Um, and then I thought of Nick Kosaski and how his career tanked from vertigo. And I wanted to make, you know, let's put that out there so people are aware of what possibly a player is facing when you hear this. And I took great, I took, uh, you know, I took measures to say I'm not a doctor. I don't know what they have. The odds that they have the same thing as these two guys probably aren't good. But just, you know, David Duvall had uh, vertigo and sidetracked a promising golf career. So I thought it was worth having the discussion. Uh, without, you know, trying to play a doctor, which I still contend I never did for even a second. Um, and, you know, if if, it, if, it's, if somebody out there had never heard of Meniere's disease and Alan Shepard or knew about Nick Kosaski, I figured that's something that a common fan might want to know. Yeah. yeah. I, it, I, in, I, go ahead, Chris. Well, I mean, I... I I was the one who edited it and published it, so the ultimate responsibility falls with me uh, for, for any criticism thrown there. I, I didn't have any problem with it. In retrospect, from a pure baseball standpoint, the, the Alan Shepard stuff didn't really even need to be in there. But since I've heard you mention it a couple times, and, and I viewed it because we've done it on the podcast, I think maybe I was painted, if you will, by that, that, that way, that I viewed it absolutely as him relating uh, just kind of his experiences in the world with uh, vertigo. Not not saying, hey, you know, he, he might have uh, might have Meniere's disease or something. But I, given that it was in a piece about uh, Austin Meadows, I can see how people would make that connection. I still don't have a problem with it. I, I don't have a problem with speculating on injuries. I don't have a problem with taking a player's stated injury, which the, the Tigers said he had vertigo, and comparing yeah. it to other players. It, and I don't really have a problem with any injury that that could be the, the, the case, uh, unless the team kind of behind the scenes says specifically, hey, don't mention this, you know, so-and-so's dealing with depression or, you know, there's a home situation or something like that. Yes, fine, we'll, we'll honor their wishes, but you, you become a public figure when you're playing professional sports, and, and we're not trying to, you know, harm anybody here. We're just trying to 
relate to people and, and try to let fans understand that this sort of thing has happened before. So, like, you know, in an extreme case, I, I don't know if you you guys remember the prospect Ryan West uh, Ryan Westmoreland was his name. Yeah, he was a top 100 prospect for the Red Sox, maybe top 50. Outfielder, five tool player, had a brain tumor, uh, has never played since. It's it's really unfortunate. But if another Tigers prospect had was diagnosed with a brain tumor, I'd probably point, I'd write an article and say, hey, you know, Ryan West, West, uh, Westmoreland has lived a fine life now, but he's, his baseball career was over. I think that's fair game to me as a blogger, a writer, a journalist, anything, as long well, as you're respectful about it. And I thought you was. And so I don't think there was, it was a minor controversy as, as things go, uh, uh a small flame war between two competing blogs, but uh, <laughs> and, and in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean much uh, of anything at all, especially it, in the world when we see things like this week. Exactly. It doesn't mean a lot and who cares. Right. But I just, the only other thing I wanted to point out that I forgot earlier, I had already been writing the article and that day Hinch was quoted as saying, we're really concerned. You know? So, I mean, it's not like they're, you know, that I was, pulling this out of nowhere that this is something worth being concerned about because Hinch, uh, you know, he pulled the veil back pretty hard there. So uh, I'm glad to hear that he's on a ball field and that he's got three days of workouts in and that's got to feel at least a little reassuring to them uh, of, of what the next step's going to be. You know, one of the things in speaking of controversy, because it's like I said, it's been a weird a weird week. I mean, it's been a very depressing week in some ways, and, and for things that are beyond our control, and just, yeah, I, I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Everybody knows what's going on, and uh, yeah, at any rate, but the the other controversial Tiger-related thing, which was kind of not, not really necessarily controversial, but it was just really weird, was the, quote, remove some of these nerds. Dulcemaya shreds Al Vila, Detroit uh, offers in rant. And he used a picture that was cursy. There was some gentleman on Twitter that posted it originally. And uh, he posted at 1029. And this is the quote. He said, well, is there any other true Detroit Tiger fan as disappointed as I am about the season going for the team? Well, I, Joe, Joel Samaya, former Detroit Tiger, truly am disgusted, disappointed, and just flat out upset how organization has let themselves fall in a category which I thought this organization will never see again. He says, Zabaya uh, uh, said he can't believe Avila received an extension to continue running the Tigers. This blows his mind. They need to clean house. They won't, they need to go through the main office and start removing some of these nerds because they have no clue about the good old game of baseball. And <laughs> by nerds, and this was something about the analytic driven mindset, of course. And it was the, one of the quotes, and this is a story done by um, the story kind of summed up by gentleman's name over at uh, the channel, channel four. I can't remember. I don't know. I can't remember. His name. Derek. Something. Yeah. But yeah, that's correct. And it was just one of those things where <laughs> I'm reading this and I really just, does he really, I mean, does he have an idea how the front office works? I mean, you think he would as a former player, but, I mean, I guess the Tigers are not going to invite him to throw a first pitch for a long time. That's for sure. <laughs> no, probably not. He definitely buzzed the tower on Avila there uh, the other day. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, actually, that was a good line from for you that uh, <laughs> I, I was possibly going to steal for a tweet, but I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I had to emphasize that. It's just so, go ahead, Chris. So this was this was going to get out, obviously, no matter what. Somebody tipped us off, or at least uh, I was tipped off on our Tigers Discord channel. Go ahead and join and take a take a look if you haven't. Yeah, please do. Already. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna put that uh, I put that on their uh, comment section there. And that was from from A Perez eighty four. I don't really know. I don't know his real name. I didn't. Oh, see Adam. Him. That's Adam Perez. Is he on Twitter? I, I wanted to. Yeah, to oh like, yeah, a, yeah. A Perez. Yeah, something another. I feel bad. I wanted to credit him. I haven't seen him in there since then, but he was the one that, that tipped me off. So I was like, "Hey, wait, is this real?" I looked at it and I was like, "Yeah, this is real." So then I kind of consulted with the uh, the MCB brethren, like, "Hey, what should I do?" I, I felt like I needed to tweet it out, yeah. in case he deleted it, uh, and then wrote an article about it. Uh, and I think I was the first one to write an article about it. I'm not sure. Uh, yes, you were. But the tweet blew up. Uh, and then, unfortunately, I, that's when I learned that, that uh, Joseph P. Chap is the guy who made the graphic. And I, I had no idea. Uh, and he apparently is the host of the podcast Between the Whistles, like, which I assume is a, a Red Wings podcast. So I just wanted to give him credit for that. I, I tried to in tweet form, but you know how it works. You, you do a tweet, it's, it gets all sorts of engagement. You put below it something and it gets two likes. Um, yeah. But in any event, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of – it was um, – I'd say about 95% of the people who tweeted it or retweeted it uh, approved of the message from Zamaya. Oh, yeah. um, and it's kind of odd, though. Like, like you said, Roger, you, you don't expect – we kind of like it when former players pop off like this. Anybody, we like it when anybody pops off like this for the most part. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you know, I don't think Zumaya is, is terribly dialed into to much of anything in baseball these days. And uh, yeah. <laughs> expressing frustration that a lot of fans can relate to and like I said, you know, fans fans like to see that from former players. They they feel like they're more qualified to, to say these types of things. It is it was kind of shocking to me that he actually called Alavila out by name, seeing as Avila was his uh, you know like assistant general manager his entire career in Detroit. So you'd think that they would have had some sort of relationship, but uh, but there you go. Le who, the her. <laughs> I'm not look. I, I look. I just think it just seems. I understand he's frustrated, and I'm not saying he has a right to his opinion. Everybody has a right to their opinion. I, we I've heard some opinions this week about Alavila being fat. That I'm like, okay, guys, come on, enough. You know. Yeah. And I, there's you can have your opinion. I don't care if you have your opinion, and doesn't the whole loser thing is just a joke. I don't really think Joel Smy is a loser. He pitched in major leagues. What I've done, I haven't. I never made it out of high school baseball, so kudos to him. But it's just one of those things where I think a lot of when we get all fired up about this stuff, sometimes get, I, I mean, admittedly, this week I lost my temper on a Tiger Space Chat, but it was it was a rant. It was kind of like needed, but it wasn't. I'm not gonna you know blame the nerds. It's like calm down. It, it, well, you know what? It, it, like the Tigers won tonight, and and I define yeah. you. You could be the worst baseball team in the planet and, and I defy fans to feel super awful after a win, a nice win. Yeah. Like it, it, it's the beauty of baseball. Like you get super upset after a bad loss. And then the next night they have a, like a nice win and you go, hey, this is not all that bad. You, the Tigers record still sucks. <laughs> you're still not going to make the playoffs. But like, that was kind of fun. Baseball's fun, right? Baseball's yep. fun. 
it, it, and again, I think I've said it multiple times. It's like it's the football mentality in a baseball world where people just don't have the patience or the ability to uh, sorry about that to deal with a full season. They just want to. It's it's ten minutes at a time, basically. Yeah, I, I just think there's just that level of frustration where there was a modicum of expectation this year. You know, so people after so many years of being in the dumps, uh, to have a little expectation was exciting, and they have so been so woefully short of those expectations that uh, it's not too surprising that uh, there is a lot of uh, anger bubbling over. But yeah, it was it was really something to see a name from the past come out of no. I mean, that just kind of dropped out of the heavens for for the for the for Twitter and the internet. It was amazing. There's a stat out there that's pretty amazing that Evan Woodbury of MLive tweeted out tonight. Just as everyone predicted, Miggy and Harold Castro batting 300 with six home runs, 64 for 213. The rest of or every other Tiger, uh, 20, 20, or 250 for 1213, 206, 19 home runs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he I mean, had a, a nice tweet too about uh, about how the, their record when they hit a home run. Yeah, it was like eleven. They're, they're I think they're 11. over five hundred, like something like that. I think it was eleven and seven. Yeah, I don't think they have home run. They, they didn't hit home run tonight, did they? No, I don't. No. I don't think they did. No, and and Harold Castro. Look, if you would have told me that Harold Castro would have hit two home runs in one game, I would have told you you're were crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, like that was. And look, he's had a good year. Like, I, I, you can kind of get this – you can rag on – there's a lot of things you can rag about whether you saw him or not. Look, he's getting it done. done. I mean, he's gotten, he's batting over 300, and I don't know – again, I know the numbers, the, the weighted ball, they're just a, a lot of little things about late-hitting Harold Castro. But he, what else is there to – I don't understand. Like, what else he has to do to prove people, to people? You know, those two homers, that – the weather in Minnesota – the window is kind of coming in. It was cold and damp. I mean, if to get two balls out, that that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think that Kendall was home run was a bomb too. Yeah, that was a, that was a shot. The so, at, oh, go ahead. I'm looking at the distances right now. Yeah, so Castro's was 423. Candelario's was 414, and Castro's other home run was 382. So, yeah, and, and a cold night that uh, takes some takes some ramping up. So uh, some news today, I, 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 Chris. I'm going to especially save one pitcher's news just for you, just for you. And oh. His initials are MM. So I just want to get right. so Casey Mize is going to prepare a throwing notion, uh, uh, throwing program for the second time. So that's going to be happening here shortly. And he has reported it's the best he's ever felt. <laughs> so uh, we'll get yeah. So we'll see what happens there. And he's going to for now. He's throwing soft shell. Um, pilo balls in the training room down in Lakeland. So maybe he's there next week when I'm there. I'm not sure. So next week's show, by the way, will be uh, will be I will be in Lakeland. So, um, but Tyler Alexander is going to throw on Monday for Triple A Toledo. Riley Green starts his rehab assignment tomorrow in Lakeland, and unfortunately, no video for that. Yeah. And Austin Mo- Austin Meadows is do- reported to Lakeland, so he's going to get some baseball stuff done. And Eduardo Rodriguez, um, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I forgot that uh, 
Victor Reyes is running again on flat ground, and, and Cisnero has been throwing on the bullpen. And uh, Rodriguez did pit, play some catch today. He hasn't any, any issues with what have, you, what have you. So, that being said, though, go ahead and, and, and Chris, inform the masses about one pitcher. Oh, well, this is a little weird. This is a little, it's a little crazy. Well, okay, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want this. I don't want to get the the uh, tag of being like a pure Matt Manning hater. I just I didn't think he was all that I, great last year. But, yeah, so Matt Manning has had two rough rehab starts in a row down in Toledo. The first one was really pretty ugly. He was like 89 to 91, 92 with a fastball, on, and command was all over the place. They pulled him. And, you know, they came out afterwards and said, uh, you know, it's nothing with his arm. He, he just was dehydrated. Uh and everybody's like, oh, okay, that's good. We can handle that. Although it's kind of odd that a professional athlete would be dehydrated. Um, but, uh, and then his last outing, kind of the same thing happened. He, he was actually, he looked sharper. We didn't get a velos from the Toledo camera, but he struck out the side in the first. And then it was a 30-pitch second inning, and they pulled him. And A.J. Hinch seemed kind of upset about that. Like there was, a, I think Evan Petzold had a tweet that said, A.J. Hinch was like, I need to talk to the organization about that. I really wish he would have got through that inning. Um. It was, it was just kind of, uh, I don't know, without being there, it's kind of hard to glean the context of what he meant. But, uh, yeah, and then today it comes out that you're like, oh, it turns out that Matt Manning does have arm trouble. Triceps tendinitis, is that it? Is it bicep? Bicep tendinitis. Bicep tendinitis. Bicep, bicep, so, yeah. yeah, his arm ain't good right now. Uh, and he apparently was hiding it from the Tigers or not telling them the truth, um, which doesn't shock me for any number of reasons. It, it, it does kind of shock me that the Tigers – Whenever their pitcher, you know, is hurt, they wouldn't put him through a battery of tests, like every test possible. We were we were trying to, I don't know, we were batting this back and forth a bit in the Discord today, and, and I guess in my head, I, I consider that that I assume that a lot of players are hurt a, a lot, and a lot of the time, and if the team gave them tests all the time, uh, they might be able to go on the injured list and there's kind of like a, a, a silent agreement between both the players and the team that like hey we're going to gut through this and try to play i feel like there's several tigers on the team right now who are probably dealing with stuff uh, that, that they could go on the injured list for but they know it's all hands on deck right now they you know they're down four starters and so i, I think matt manning probably wanted to be there for his teammates right you know there's there's you want to try to perform for your teammates you want to try to get back you want to First, you're you're a guy, you're a professional athlete, so you want to believe that you're fine, like there's nothing actually wrong. So, I, you know, it, it feels frustrating that he was hiding this from the Tigers, but I kind of understand it. I think Hinch himself said he understood it. Like, you know, he's trying to be there for the team. It's just, uh, you know, it's detrimental to everybody now. Yeah, especially because I mean, you, you talk about the battery test, and one of the things I was thinking about was when you watch uh, Rocky Four. You expect them just to be like, like Drago, just like you know, he's on the treadmill and all that stuff, and doing the whole thing with tests. But yeah, it's it is a disappoint disappointment. But the Tigers right now getting some good pitching, and in, in, again, whether Brisky's a four for five star doesn't really matter. They're just still getting, they're still getting it done. So can't really ask for anything more right now. But it's just it is a little bit disappointing. But it looks like the team is getting healthier. As they head in the month of June, so that's a plus. The Riley Green news is good, but uh, we'll see about the Casey Mize whether he's come out. But I mean, is it? 
really missing? I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical, but is the team really missing him right now in the rotation? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I, to put you guys on the spot with that I, tough question, I but uh, I mean, go ahead, you. They're 16 and 29 now, right? Yep. Um, so, 15, I think, right? or no, is it 16? Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Winning streaks are nice. They're still bad. <laughs> so, 16, 28. If you believe Mize is an integral part of the future, then yeah, they're missing him because they need to know, you know, they need to get him progressing, which I guess means getting him healthy. So if he's not pitching, that's fine too. Um, it's troubling, you know, that you look back two years ago, or not two years ago, excuse me, four years ago or so, when he had the uh, arm problem at Auburn. And that was always the biggest reason not to draft him to me. Uh, not that I was opposed to the pick, but if I was going to be opposed, that was a big one. So you kind of knew that something was looming. Uh, because when you have a big elbow problem like he had, and where they shut him down for a while, you know, because it just happens to most pitchers anyway, that there's might be a T, uh, Tommy John looming. We don't know that. But I guess I'm speculating about injuries again. I probably shouldn't do that, right? I've been... I've been admonished about that, but um, so maybe it's just best that they get him out there this year and either they get him moving in the right direction or that thing pops and he gets it fixed. And then we move on after a year and a half, you know, so I'm hopeful they get him out there again um, relatively soon and they get some kind of workload on him uh, because I think we need to know what he is uh, for the next couple of years as they try to build, some kind of contender. And I think we know Bo Brisky has a chance to stick around a while and be useful, but he, he's not the guy who we want pitching a playoff game. And we still hope Casey Mize is the guy who wants pitching a playoff game. Right. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's just the reason why I was asking about that is because I feel it, it, it's good that Detroit's been able to adapt. And one of the things that, in terms of, I know offensively speaking, they haven't been able to get anything production wise for the minor leagues. If there's one thing they've been able to do, at least, thankfully, is that the minor leagues have been able to provide some pitching yes. depth. Yeah, pitching depth for that today. So, but uh, it, it, again, it could be a lot worse. It could be something like that was last year before some of this pitching arrived. It's time for Rogelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. All right, it's time for Inside the Numbers. And, Chris, what is your Inside the Number? Uh, I have two. It is 681 and 23. Uh, so I heard this one on the YouTube broadcast yesterday, which, by the way, looked much better on my TV than the Bally Sports broadcast. I don't know why. Maybe it's actually done in HD where Bally's faking. But, I, uh, I didn't think that the announcers were that bad. People were talking about, like, amateur hours. Like, are we really going to – I don't know. I didn't – yeah, I honestly didn't really notice the announcers. I was just uh, captivated by the picture quality. But uh, but it, I, I feel like this is worth repeating. So so uh, it's changed since yesterday. But the Tigers are 15 and seven this year when they score three runs or more, including tonight's game. That is a 681 winning percentage. That's the 681. The problem is that other number, 23. That's how many times they've scored two runs or fewer this year. Uh, and they're one in 22 in those games. Wow. Uh, so I mean, obviously they wouldn't win two thirds of their games if they were only scoring three runs a game. Uh, but, but man, like right now they've, they've scored 122 runs through 44 games as of tonight, which is 2.77 runs per game. 
The MLB average this year is 4.20, 420. Ooh. Um, one and a half. If the Tigers, and I look, if the Tigers had scored four runs per game this year, not crazy, right? That's like 176 runs in the year. So like 60 runs fewer than the Dodgers have scored. They'd be 25 and 19. <laughs> 25 and 19 with four runs per game this year. So my kingdom for an average offense, right? Maybe, maybe uh, the return of Meadows and Green can get, get them closer to that. All right, that's a good one. Uh, Youper, uh, what's yours? Mine is 65 and 7.0%. 65 is the rank of the highest Tiger in barrels per plate appearance this year. Uh, any guesses who that would be at number 65 in MLB? Is it Victor Reyes? No. <laughs> if if like... only it was Victor Reyes, I'd be so happy. But um, one guess each, real quick. Scope? No. Raj has no guess. I, oh, sorry. No, I was totally blanking out there. Okay. It's Jammer Candelario. Candelario. He's 65. He has a uh, barrel rate of 7%, 7.0 on the nose, 65th overall in MLB, number one amongst the Tigers, however. Which kind of shows you where their offense is. Coming on top of your uh, uh, point there, Chris. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Four former Tigers are ahead of him. Just for fun, CJ Crone, Eugenio Suarez. Give me Willie Adamas close enough. And, of course, J.D. Martinez. So uh, those are the kind of guys who are probably providing a little bit more offense uh, that you know were in the Tiger organization at one time. Uh it's just, you know, anytime you look through any of those stats right now, it's just so sad. And it's hard to look through more than three or four different categories and then just chuck it and move on to something else. <laughs> a little better read. Uh, you got to hope once the weather warms up, some of this changes. So so my inside number is the number five and the number three. So the number five is the uh, amount of bats that former Cub Albert Amora Jr. got against the Cubs, and now he's a red, and he got he went three for five. But the other number five that concerning this game was the amount of hits and runs allowed by uh, uh, Andrel or Andrel or Andleton. Andleton, thank you, Andleton Simmons of the Reds, who pitched the last inning, or excuse me, for the Cubs rather, pitched the last inning as the Cubs won twenty to five. So. In an offensive standpoint, the Reds have maybe have scored more runs than the Tigers have in one game than the Tigers have maybe all maybe in a week. Maybe that sounds right about right. I feel like that's right for some strange I, reason. I think I saw that they scored 20 runs total. The Reds did during their 11 game losing streak. Yeah. So the Reds' bats are coming alive. And but it was just one of those things where I was looking at Albert Sam. I'm like, that sounds like a former, I think like he was a former Cub. And yeah, it was just, it was a crazy game. And that the Cub for the for the Reds record is sometimes you have to go like imagine if they had that team that they had last year. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's if you're a Reds fan right now, I'd be pissed. I mean, yeah, congratulations, you scored 20 runs, but you're still pissed. The fact that yeah. things could have been a lot better. So that's my inside the number for the week. I'm bummed that that you know Simmons has a great arm. I'm bummed that he didn't he wasn't out there trying to let loose. It looks like it's as fast as 79 miles an hour. It's lowest <sighs> Was thirty nine miles an hour. <laughs> See that spread? What a change up! Yeah, 
And by the way, there was twenty. There was twenty-eight hits on that. The uh, in the game, there was five home runs. Five home runs in in the game as well. A couple and five doubles. So the number five came up quite a bit there. So that was my inside the number for the week. The good. Oh, that's good. The bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. All right, now it's time for the good and the bad and the ugly. Uber, you leave this off. All right. My good, you guys just mentioned a little while ago, but I'll talk about a little bit more. The YouTube game, big fan, number one for me, because I'll tell you right, right now, it was not blo- uh, It was a Twins game that wasn't blacked out here in Iowa. So right there, that's a win. <laughs> and you know, I thought Carlos Pena and then was pretty good. And I think that play-by-play guy, I don't know his name. I should have looked it up. But he used to be like a desk guy on uh, – MLB Network, like when Amsinger wasn't around, they put him mm-hmm. in there. <laughs> so, and I thought he was fine. Um, you know, I, I'll watch a game on YouTube. I'm, I'm all about it. And if it's going to cut through the blackouts, beautiful. Maybe MLB will get a clue that uh, people kind of like that. <laughs> so, uh, so good job on the YouTube game. My bad. Also about TV. People probably saw this tweet, but I thought it would be worth mentioning. It's about the TV strike zones, the strike box, and how there was that one. And this, again, it's a very small thing. It was one pitch. But they caught that game last week where the Cardinals and the Mets, uh, a certain pitch came in, and it was on the Mets broadcast. It was about an inch high and out of the zone. On the Cardinals broadcast, the way they have their thing configured, on the line, on the black, strike. So that just kind of shows you, uh, you know, the technology is not necessarily synced up. Um, and there's going to be, you know, if they go to RoboUmps, which I believe they probably will, and not that I'm a big fan of that, um, there's going to be some controversy there too. Don't, don't, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, there's going to be road bumps uh, <laughs> with speed bumps with that. Um, my ugly, I got two. One of them is real quick, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Three weeks almost without an extra base hit, okay, until he homered the other night. Who sees that coming from that guy? Really great article um, by Mike Petriello at Baseball Savant. People want to check that out. Um, Talking about how he is seeing pitch – he's not seeing any of the pitches that he saw last year, uh, four-seam fastballs up in the zone, pitches that he elevated. He's getting everything – much harder, two seamers, much harder down in the zone, and he's hitting nothing but ground balls, and um, uh, that's really been hurting him. So that'll be interesting to see how he adjusts. But I would recommend anybody going out and uh, reading that article. Um, in my personal ugly, I umpired on the field the other day. Had a coach who shall remain nameless. First, he comes out to argue the infield fly rule with me, okay, because. He's saying it's a force out if someone tries to advance. And I'm like, coach, it's a tag. And we're going back and forth. Tag, force out, tag, force out. It was stupid. Finally, I said, you got to go. Just go back. And obviously, it is not a force out. The runner, the batter is out right away. So those runners are not forced to move up. They move up at their own risk. He didn't want to hear that. Two innings later, I call an interference because his runner runs into his shortstop. Total interference, textbook call. He's out there in my face. No, it's it's the defender's fault. 
<laughs> we get bait, you know, he's wanting bases and everything. No, your guy's out, dude. So just always know this at the youth level, if you're watching the game, the coaches don't know the rules. End of rant. <laughs> Same guy, two innings apart. That was really fun. Unbelievable. All right, Chris, what is your good, <laughs> bad, and ugly? Uh, all right, so I may have uh, I may have touched on this before, maybe even last week. You know, I lose track of things I talk about. Uh, my good is Jordan Lawler. Um, you know, draft people might remember Jordan Lawler a little bit, but other people might not so much. You know, he was he's a uh, high school shortstop in the draft last year out of uh, Dallas, I believe, the Dallas area. Um, considered basically the top high school shortstop in the class heading into the draft season before he was eventually passed by Marcelo Meyer. To some, I think Baseball America still had him as their number one player overall, but he ended up sliding to the Diamondbacks with a sixth pick. Uh, he actually got the third highest bonus in the draft behind only Jack Leiter and Jackson Job. So he got more money than the number one pick, Henry Davis, the number four pick, Marcelo Meyer, and the number five pick, Colton Kowser. And um, and here's here's the thing. I, fans keep complaining about the Tigers taking Job instead of Meyer uh, because that's what their buddies are doing. Uh, and Meyer just actually hit the injured list for the second time this season. Uh, here are his stats this year. 17 games. He's hitting 333, one home run, four steals, seven walks, 23 strikeouts. That's pretty good. It's a 147 WRC plus. I think everybody would take that. Um, Jordan Muller also just hit the the, the IL. Uh, here are his stats. 33 games, a 352 batting average, seven home runs, 18 steals, 21 walks, 38 strikeouts, for a 176 WRC plus. Ooh. So, Basically, all I'm saying is, is if you want to complain about the Tigers taking Job over a hitter, complain about Lawler instead of Meyer if you have the balls. Which they don't. So, no. so I don't want to hear about, you know, oh, they took Meyer. I don't want to hear it anymore. I want to hear they took Lawler. They should have taken Lawler. I, so, I, I, I don't want to all hear that. Yeah, so. I don't want to hear that anymore. Um, yeah. My bad, actually, uh, and it actually, I, I wrote this before I saw we have a question kind of about this. Uh, my bad is Robbie Grossman. Now, tonight was a very nice game for Robbie Grossman. Went two for four with a walk and, and had a double. Uh, but before tonight, he was tied with Travis Demerit as the worst hitter in baseball in May. <laughs> I was batting 110, 233, 151 with two steals for a 23 WRC+. Plus. <laughs> they can't 77% below average. Now, after tonight, it's up to 130, 253, 182, which is better, but still not great. Um, his average exit velocity, his max exit velocity are down this year. His K rate is way up. So you worry that maybe there's something else going on there. But uh, who knows? Maybe today was the first step of his turnaround. I think he was kind of the catalyst for the turnaround last year. I want to say that he was the one who, who hit he hit a walk-off home run uh, in, in the game, the, the famous, like, you know, May night game where everybody later, you know, went back to and said, hey, the Tigers are have a winning record since this date. I think it was Robbie yeah. Grossman who led that part. So that's my bad, and hopefully he can pick it up. And my ugly is Victor Victor Mesa. Uh, people remember him. So uh, he's something against the rapper name. Yeah, if you don't remember him, he he and his younger brother Victor Mesa uh, defected from Cuba in 2018, and, and they were considered a, Victor Victor Mesa was considered the premium international prospect that year. He was uh, ranked number one in the international market to both MLB Pipeline and Baseball America. He was instantly a top 100 prospect to Pipeline, Baseball America, and practice. He was ranked 60th Baseball America. And a few years later, he is a career 234, 289, 287 hitter in 215 career minor league games. Um, this year, he's batting 189 in 27 games at Double A Pensacola. And and you know that the the bummer 
I mean, there's a lot of bummers here, but it's not a strikeout issue for him. He's got a 14.6 strikeout rate uh, for his career, which is above average. It's a zero power issue. He owns a career 0.043 ISO in the minors. Ooh. Basically 30 extra base hits in 215 games. And the biggest bummer of all, of course, is, is that because Major League Baseball changed their rules, that uh, he, he didn't get paid the way some of the other more uh, high-profile Cuban washouts did. The guys like uh, you know, Yadier Alvarez and Rusny Castillo, who got you know, tens of millions of dollars. I think Victor Victor Mesa got $3 million, $4 million. So... I don't know. That's ugly and it's a bummer. Um, and it's, I don't know if it's a cautionary tale. You know, everybody knows there's some risk with these international prospects, but that one, I, you just didn't see it coming. You know, I thought he was going to be, if not a star, at least a, a big league regular. And, and it looks like he's not probably even going to make the majors. Man, he was with the, why do I, what? He's with the Marlins. He and his brother with the Marlins. Yeah. But then, did he have somebody? I thought he was with the Diamondbacks, or maybe I'm thinking of something else that Mesa. I don't know. I just thought the Diamondbacks for some strange reason too. Um, but the Diamondbacks had Yasmani Tomas back in the day. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, because Tomas is also another prime example of that too, right? I mean, he was uh, him and Rosny Castillo. Yeah. yeah so Rosny Castillo is a big Yasmani Tomas. I put into like the Diane Vicieto category, where where like. He actually got to the majors and had, I want to say Tomas had one, you know, he had 31 home runs one year. He just uh, didn't do anything else after that. And, and Vicieto, I think, was similar. Just some guys who, who make it and it, like the MLB pitchers find their weaknesses and that's it. Uh, but Mesa, yeah, I mean, it doesn't even seem like he's going to get there, which is unfortunate. All right. So my good this week is involving kind of a, a split good. And that would be the line on. Reese Olsen, in his last three starts, posted earlier 14.2 innings of work, seven hits, three runs, one earned, four walks, 29 strikeouts. Mm. We saw him in Erie, and we saw the immaculate inning. We talked about this a little bit in the minor league podcast, but it's worth mentioning again. Chris and I have never seen an immaculate inning before in our lives in person. And immaculate inning, by the way, is nine pitches in one inning. Three strikeouts. Three strikeouts. It's, it's it was it was so quick. It was literally we were just like it happened like within. Uh, it, I, I I kid you not, Uber. I felt like it was like thirty seconds. Yeah. I, I know it wasn't, but it was just it felt that way. Well, with the pitch clock now, it probably did. Yeah, it had to feel. No, like no, 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 good point. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so, we, I think we figured out. I think he's figured out his command. He is not. He's not having these long innings anymore he's been going through he's been very efficient and chris was five out of ten batters he faced tonight he struck out oh well he ended up going um he ended up completing five i think he had eight strikeouts total maybe nine let me check uh but yeah he ended up it was like a 40 percent strikeout right he is he's among the top 10 in the minor leagues in terms of strikeout percentage wow uh he, he was, yeah. uh at last check he was ahead of grayson rodriguez the top pitching prospect in baseball and obviously you know, stats are stats and stuff and stuff, but Olsen has has good stuff. It's not Grayson Rodriguez stuff, but it's pretty darn good. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very encouraging to see. And, I, and the one thing you mentioned that Maculanian game, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on the on the broadcast before, but that game we went to ended up being was it eight to five? I think there were thirteen runs in that game, fourteen hits, two oh, yeah, yeah. two minutes. Well, eight six, to, I think it was eight six. Oh, that was the next game, right? Yeah, oh. the next Saturday's game. No, you're right, Roger. In, in any event, we saw one game that had a whole bunch of runs, a whole bunch of hits, two minute pitching changes, and it took two hours and five minutes. So yes. the pitch clock gets a hearty thumbs up for me. Like that thing, yeah. 
changes the game. Absolutely. And not only does it change the game, like hopefully, I don't think we've seen more injuries than usual this year. I think it just gets people, um, you know, prepared. And I, I think it probably leads to more action. The pitchers might, you know, get concentrate quite enough to, to execute their pitches perfectly and it gets the ball in play. But uh, it's not leading to more action when Reese Olsen's on the mound. He's, he's striking everybody out. Especially because I remember we went last year. It was the game that we ended up driving home from. It was like almost three and a half, almost four hours. And we had to yeah. turn around and go home. So lesson <laughs> yeah. learned. Lesson is we will never do that again. And the other part of that good is Kerry Carpenter, who got a home run. He got an opposite field shot that was kind of like a, 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 a really a pop shot yesterday. But then the area offense, 17 to 1. And it's ironic. I know, like, look, if you're watching me on YouTube, I have an Erie Seawolves hat. In the background, I have an Erie Seawolves shirt, but this is all coincidence, purely coincidence. And but yeah, Gary Carpenter is now tied for the Eastern League again, lead with home runs with uh, Olas Mart- Martinez of Toronto, and he's been able to. It's kind of like it looks legit. I mean, again, it's too early. I don't want to say like people are trying to call him up to Toledo. I I, I thought to myself, no. Because there's not really, I mean, to me, what is the benefit for him going to Toledo? That Toledo's kind of kind of crowded outfield right now, and in terms of baseball difference, it's just better for him to stay, get more steady at bats. Because right now in Toledo, you have Robson, you have Clemens who also also plays out there. Lopez is still playing outfield too sometimes. Chris, is that right? So yeah, there's just I don't. Know, I, I think Carpenter's in a good situation. If it continues to do it at Erie, I mean, in terms of pitching, gentlemen, I don't think there's much of a difference. So that is my good. My bad is the Texas Rangers. And there's some things about the Texas Rangers that are quite alarming. So for everybody who complains about the, the look, Baez has looked a little, I'm not, well, let's not kill ourselves, we, but we knew what we were getting. We knew what we were getting with Javier Baez. And there was one guy who I wanted the, the Tigers sign this offseason, and I've said it, I wrote an article about it, and I thought it'd be a good fit, was Marcus Simeon. And Marcus Simeon, right now, has looked a little, he's looked a little lost in the play right now. Um, as far as some of his career numbers go, this is a guy, and, and look, Texas spent a lot of money in the offseason, we're all in all of it, but we've also, we're historians, I like to think we're historians of the game, between the three of us, we also know when you spend a lot of money, sometimes you can be like the Florida Marlins and just trade things off and get nothing. Um, I say that, but I mean, he had he did go two for four uh, yesterday, but in terms of his numbers right now, you're talking about a guy who is batting 180, 185. He's got WRC plus of 44. <laughs> 44. And this is a guy who came off a career. Year in terms of uh, second best or assume second best year of one point three one, his ne- he has a negative WAR of zero point three. So he has how many home runs? None. So for what they're paying him, that's bad. And and the reason why I always put people in the bad because they'll end up maybe getting good. He might get hot. I don't know. We'll see. But as far as if you're a Rangers fan right now, you know that the NL West is pretty tough anyway. But you expected some sort of different result from that and so that's just that's one of those things where you look at it and just um, in paper whatever it could be the ball whatever whatever it is he's just not hitting 
And the ugly, I would have to say, in terms of, I mean, this week in general, you know, with all the public events too, Ray Liotta died today, which really sucked. Um, again, it's just one of those things where you're just like, man, when it when it rains, it kind of pours kind of situation in terms of just all the stuff going on. But And I'm not comparing anything, but uh, as far as my ugly goes in terms of baseball-wise, that would be the Alotus Chapman for the Yankees, who has been losing miles per hour. His velocity has been going down, and he hit the IL uh, recently. So for the for the Yankees, he's been Mr. Automatic here for, for a while now, but they're noticing his velocity, I think it was like the amount of – I saw a stat for it. Something along the lines of, like, he he had thrown over 95, 96, like, a certain amount of times, like, almost 100. But that number significantly down this year. And so that's kind of – the Yankees' bullpen, you know, it's a different arm every night. But for Chapman's been the kind of steady force back there. But it could just be – it could be ugly for the – I mean, the Yankees are still going to find a way to get it done. They always will. But it's ugly for a guy for his career. I mean, so – I think they said his K rate's down to a career low. Yeah. yeah There's some number. Was it an Achilles issue, wasn't it? Yeah. So it could be the simple case of when he's planting, he's not able to generate, when he plants through, there's a follow-through, able to get the same kind of velocity. So, but yeah, right now, his yeah, his K rate's down, and his FIP is 4.97. Wow. So, I mean, this is a guy who has had a FIP, the, the lowest FIP. This is the highest FIP of his career. Last year, it crept up to 3.99. Right now, he's sitting at 4.97. So, He's yeah. walking six and a half for nine innings, too. Yeah, and his K, this is the first time his K rate's been under 10 for his career. He's at 9.64 right now. And it was 15 and a half last year. Yeah. <laughs> and the year before that, by the way, almost 17. Wow. So yeah, average fastball is ninety-seven. I'm I'm trying to check. So yeah, Gregory Soto's average fastball is uh, a mile and a half harder this year than Chapman's. His uh, his K right is lower, but so is his walk rate. So yeah. So New York Talk Radio has already got a list of uh, relievers they're going to acquire, right? Yeah, so maybe Gregory Soto. <laughs> yeah, like just also, can I supplement the ugly? Also, can I add the ugly that the old Jason Dom- Dominguez thing? on Twitter where he removed all his Yankee stuff, like pictures and everything. Is it Domingo? What's it? Jason, the, yeah, the prospect? Jason yeah, the, yeah, the Martian. Yeah, did you hear about this, Chris? Yeah, I saw I I'd never heard anything more that came why up. Is that, yeah, why is it a news story? I, you know, because, I don't know, when someone, people who follow this sort of thing, they also, it happens all the time in, like, college sports recruiting, where suddenly a recruit or a player suddenly removed all semblance of their affiliation with the team and go, uh-oh. So people were assuming that Jason Dominguez was traded. And certainly he's such a wonderful prospect that he could only be traded for one player, Juan Soto. Uh, oh, the, the trade's almost done. Yeah, so. Okay. Uh, yeah, we don't know what happened there. He's, what, 19? Yeah. You, you ever met a temperamental 19-year-old? I haven't. Um, so, <laughs> so he might be 18, really. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of silly. Yeah, the whole that whole thing was silly. But, uh yeah, it, it, as far as that goes, it's just some of these, sometimes when these things trend on social media, I just kind of go, why is that news? And anyway, I'm an old man. I like that old man yelling at cloud kind of situation. So question-wise, Chris, how many questions did we get this evening? I only saw a couple. 
uh, unless there have been more in the meantime. I think we have to start putting the questions on the Tiger Miley report too. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, I think we have to. It's just it's mm. yeah. But anyway, so what kind of questions okay. do we have this evening? Well, we got uh, we got Deadly Ninja Bees. Uh, who, who uh, actually asked three questions. He said, is Grossman cooked? So I kind of uh, touched on that, but we can get back to that. Uh, does Al Avila feel any pressure to make the team more competitive? And has anybody seen Illich lately? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I mean, we could we could all, I think, say with the, I, I haven't seen – Roger down there. I don't think Illich has been in public. He, he rarely does. He pops up two or three times a year. So I don't think anybody's seen him lately. He may come – I'm sure there'll be an event at, you know, when, when is it? They are they celebrating uh, Lou Whitaker, August. Uh, yeah, in August. August yeah, 6th. he'll yeah. be there for that. And then there, there's the Miguel Cabrera 500 giveaway. Maybe they'll do something for that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he, he, he's just uh, kind of a, a guy who is in the background for the most part, anyway. Uh, the other yeah. two questions, I don't know if you guys want to touch on. Is well, Grossman, well, does Avila feel pressure? Well, I'll take that. Avila, you know, I wrote that, I wrote a piece uh, about ten days ago. Uh, I forget what I called it. Lipstick, a, a, a pig searching for lipstick or something, and because uh, uh, that's pretty much how they were playing. My thought at that time, and I've never been a big Avila basher. You guys know this. I've never called for his head or anything like that. But it's almost that time uh, where you really, it's it, it's got to happen if it's going to happen, because I just don't think you want him to run another draft and run another trade uh, deadline uh, if he's not going to be your guy moving forward. So to me, I thought it was down to days to turn it around or they should make a change. I don't think they will. Uh, so I personally, I doubt he feels a ton of pressure uh, to make drastic moves uh, because as much as I speculated about that, and maybe he shouldn't run a draft. He shouldn't run a trade deadline. I'm pretty darn confident he's going to do both, <laughs> and uh, uh, is probably still uh, in the Detroit front office next season. I feel like there's some sort of pressure there, but I I, I would have to agree with you, Bern. I know people will go, "Why?" Well, I, I look. I mean, I, I I would hope that there's some sort of you know, kind of like having a, a talking to right now of what's going on behind the scenes. And, and a lot of people have already written the fact that, oh, Hinch is already going back to Houston because he had a conversation with the owner at the game. Um, but I, honestly, there, no, there's going to be, there, there's some sort of level of pressure there. There definitely is. Um, but how much of it or if he, but I think, I mean, if they wanted to make a move right now, the draft is in six weeks. Six Is it six weeks? Is it right? Yep. I think July 17th. Yeah. Which, by the way, draft show coming up. On Woodward in live in the Woodward series, we'll be back in the Woodward series in two weeks. But uh, yeah, I, I I think that just there's some sort of level of pressure that we're not aware of, and and again behind the scenes kind of stuff. I'm not gonna speculate because there's even at the ballpark, it's always everybody it keeps it pretty close knit, and so I'm gonna be there tomorrow. I'll be there all weekend, so I'll if I see anything, I'll of course I'll let you guys know. But at the same time, hopefully Chris, I think Chris was coming out come out this weekend. Or next weekend. I don't know. When you, anyway. Um, that being said, though. I, try to get out there. It was the, the other question was, uh, is, is Roseman cooked? I, you know, I, I, honestly, guys, I think he there's a little bit of, yeah, tonight was a good start. 
but it's the the fact that some of the it could be whatever it is. There's something's not right. Um, because there's a lot of pitches he's swinging he normally doesn't swing at, and I think he's just trying to make something happen, forcing it a little bit. Um, what is he cooked? There's some uh, there's some amiss, but I I I, I if, if nothing turns around by the end of June and he's still doing this, then he's cooked. I think I just give him another month, but I, I don't. Because who else is going to call up? Again, it's, it's a thing about who they're going to bring up. Oh, let's bring up, uh, you know, the, the whole Clemens or now you can bring Carpenter into the mix, which people will say at some point, you know it, it's how, how it works. So I heard Dan Dickerson talking about Kerry Carpenter on the broadcast tonight. Yeah, he also brought up uh, Shea Spitzberg. Spitzberg, yeah, who, who we saw pitch on is it Friday we saw a pitch or Saturday. I think Friday sounds right. He had a really good curveball or slider that like has some good movement to him well he had the like the, the over the top uh delivery where yeah. basically uh what was the the video guy said he's a right-hander who pitches like a left-hander like the way his ball moves which is yeah. kind of funny he also throws a splitter which we called the splits barth but uh <laughs> you cut on with the tiger's breath. Uh, i like it you know real no, quick, mean, on, oh, go ahead. Real quick on grossman i just i think you gotta let him play i mean he came off a career year it's not shocking he took a step back. Obviously, he's taken a four steps back, unfortunately. But I think, given their record, they let him play, try to pump up his value again. Someone might need a left-handed bench bat um, at the trade deadline, and you try to identify a guy you think is your next uh, Alex Lang. You know, I'm not saying you're going to get Alex Lang, but you know, you get a, a reliever in return that might be someday. Yeah, I mean, I find it hard to believe that he's, like, done, done. He's 32, going to be 33 at, like, the end of the season. I, I don't think I, – I do think that last year was kind of an anomaly, uh, but and, and maybe teams have figured him out a little bit, but I don't think he's as bad as he's been this year. I, I, I suspect – again, more idle speculation here, irresponsible speculation. <laughs> I suspect he's dealing with uh, some sort of nagging injury himself. Um, and – like Matt Manning or like a number of other players, he's gutting it out because they don't have a ton of other options in the outfield. You know, right now they've had Derek Hill and Daz Cameron playing in the outfield. Uh, you know, heading into the season, Derek Hill was probably the fifth outfielder, fourth outfielder on the team. And Daz Cameron wasn't even among like, you know, the top seven or so. Yeah. But here's, here's where they are now. So he's, he's sticking around. Hopefully he gets healthy. Again, just me speculating he's injured. He might be 100%. Um, and I think he'll turn it around to a certain degree. I, I like That's just the story of this Tigers team, right? We're all kind of expecting that Grossman, Candelario, Scope, Baez are all going to turn it around to some extent. Um, we're just all kind of waiting for it. Maybe we're in the middle of it right now. We don't even know it yet. Um, but yeah. And, and uh, as for, for Avila, like, does he feel pressure? I, I, I suspect that I don't think we're going to see Avila like make a trade for like a, like any, like trying to win now. I think we might small, small chance. We might see kind of a Johnny Peralta trade back in the day where the Tigers are not a very good team, but they want to, you know, get a, a rental basically just to see if maybe he's a guy who could fit in on the team next year. Uh, so somebody else who's like on an expiring contract, something like that, that, that doesn't, you know, it's not a classic like sell move that they might do. But yeah, other than that, I, I don't see him making, you know, blockbuster trades to make the team better this year. 
Yeah, if there's one thing that I, I've caught on this week, or one thing that should be worth mentioning, is that El Vila does, the reason why he's been second in command, is he has been able to evaluate talent in the past. I mean, LeVon Hernandez comes to mind. Josh Beckett. There's a lot of things he's had his hands on. But as far as in terms of pulling the big blockbuster trade, that's where I uh, I don't, you know, you can talk about Candelario, and I know people want to rag on Candelario. And the other points, I mean, it, it, I, I think it was Mark tonight was like, remember when Lynn Henning told us that, uh, uh, that Candelario's going to be traded and blah, 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 and we always give him a weak guy. Now I understand. I owe him lunch. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just, look, and again, I, I feel like some of these players, the teams, it's like, it's literally like, Within seconds, like they can't make up their mind about it. It's like with the whole football mentality thing. If Candelario is like this to the end of the season, then yes, you're right, Lynn Henning. And, and Henning has, again, some of the things that, that they're already calling him right about stuff that's just ridiculous. But at, at any rate, um, talking about the Tigers' barrel leader, Gamer Candelario. That's right. Yeah. And he made a nice play tonight at third base, too. Shows the flash letter. Yeah. I mean, he's grading out poorly on offense or defense this year. He, he had a a game-winning home run last night, but uh, I guess you know, twelve hours later, it's not good enough. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he did. He made a nice play. Uh, he also did not make a, a nice play. A couple grounders before that. It's not. I don't think it was an easy play by any means, but I think a, an above-average defensive short or third baseman probably makes it. So, you know, but he is what he is. He's relatively young. He led the league in doubles last year. Like, like I said, he's another guy. We're just kind of waiting for him to, to put it together because we've seen him do it before. You know, I, I think he's an acceptable glove man over there. Uh, in past years, I, I believe in the fact that you can get into a fielding slump. I just mm-hmm. think his confidence at times this year has looked bad. Um, the way he's approached some balls, um, I just kind of equated to he's in that mindset where. Don't hit it to me, okay? Hit it to Baez. Don't hit it to me. I think he's in that right now. Uh, but he's been good enough in the past. I, I I, think if he makes a couple more plays, like he made on that one tonight, he's going to get some confidence and be fine out there. Yeah. I, again, I, I don't understand how people can just suddenly – just brought up, and it's a good point. He led the league in doubles last year. I guess that doesn't count for nothing. No, nah, 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 no, not at all. No, 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 it doesn't. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. I just get so weary of this crap sometimes. It's just, look, it is, somebody said earlier this week, the voice of being rational. Yes. But I sometimes I can't deal with the irrationality to the point of just stupid bull crap. But anyway, not that you're there. Was there any other questions we had for the evening, Chris? The one other question was related to the draft uh, because MLB Pipeline put out their latest mock from Jim Callis today and had the Tigers uh, at 12 taking Virginia Tech outfielder Gavin Cross. Uh, Jerry so, alumni from that school, by the way. Epic D3C asked us, "What do we think of Gavin Cross being mocked to the Detroit Tigers?" I think SR. that's the second time in a row for him, right? I think Keith Law had him uh, mocked to the Tigers as well. Yep. Well, so they, must be, they must be hearing some rumblings. Yeah, in terms of uh, as far as. <laughs> As far as uh, his back goes and profile, he has, I mean, he comes from a pretty, I guess he comes from a good high school program too, from out of Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, 6'4", 210. As far as, you know, he was, I, it was, he was the first, 
I think it was the first Virginia Tech freshman to ever hit his freshman year, first team. That's impressive. Um, I think that you know, that was the COVID year, but yeah, he was like yeah. he got up to a really good start, and then he had uh, really good numbers last year and good no, numbers no, no, no. this year. Oh no, no, it was it, it was it was twenty twenty one. It wasn't the COVID oh. year. Well, yeah, I mean, he played. I think last year was technically his freshman year. Ah, okay, gotcha. All right, but so yeah, no, um, yeah, I mean, he was awesome last year. That that's that your fact remains the same. Um, and he was the best hitter on Team USA in the summer. He had like four hundred with like five home runs. It was crazy. He is. Uh, I saw today. He's among the uh, college baseball's leaders in in balls hit over one hundred ten miles per hour. He's had like 10 or 11 of them this year. So he really makes hard contact. It's a pretty simple swing. Uh, they're the, you know, you read the scouting reports and they say he has trouble with breaking balls, but uh, which is not ideal. But, yeah. um, you know, you would think that, that uh, teams know that. And he's still hitting over 300 with power this year. And, and you know, a decent runner. He's probably going to fill out and, and just stick in right field. But he's got a, apparently he's got a good arm. So I don't know. Like, He's one of the best college hitters in this year's draft, and uh, there's a handful of them that are, that are better than him, obviously, but I think that would be fine for the Tigers there. I mean, you get a college outfielder who you think can hit and hit for power and would theoretically move relatively quickly. That's kind of what the Tigers need right now, so I'd be fine with that. Yeah, and one of the things I do like the fact that he did has decreased his strikeout rate. So, yeah, yeah he's improved his walk rate, so that's a good thing to see. Um but there's also a possibility you could play first too. They're talking about that a little bit. It was Spencer Trubles in there, but I mean, nevertheless, probably play left or right field. It is a left-handed bat, so that yeah. also plays to the Tigers. He, he, he checks a lot of the boxes. He, yeah, you know, he, he checks a lot of the boxes that they need. Other than the fact he doesn't check the Kumar Rocker box. And I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, still, I'm not. I'm, I'm still going I'm, there, Raj. I'm no, I'm not. There. I. You know what, dude? On the draft part, I'm drafting. I'm going to put like a big. Ghostbusters, like, no sign, and I put Harold Kumar right in the middle of it. Harold Kumar. Harold Kumar, wow. <laughs> Sorry. So, I'm looking across. God. It's late. Oh, my God. I'm so across terrible. Tonight is, is uh, he's playing it. Virginia Tech is currently beating Clemson 16 to 6. He is three for six tonight with a home run and a triple and a strikeout. Who's the guy so, from? Uh, Kumar Rocker to struck him out. Who's the? <laughs> I was watching the NC State Miami game last night, Jim. Was it was mm-hmm. the top that freshman that's got like Tommy White? Tommy yeah. White, my God! Yeah, that was the first time I ever watched that. And I was watching the. I actually stayed a little longer to watch the game. It was just impressive. Well, he, was there. he hit like six home runs in the first week of the uh, season, right? And then yeah. he's still among the, the nation leaders. He's not uh, the, the the home run leader is Ivan Melendez, uh, who once again is nicknamed the Hispanic Titanic for some reason. I, I don't understand why you need to add Hispanic to that, but. Uh, but there you are. Titanic. Yeah. But uh, oh, man. 28 home runs and uh, leading the country. Tommy White, uh, 26, uh, which has to be one of, among the highest for a freshman, probably since Torque, right? I think Torque hit 25, 26 home runs as a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. I will say we we are going at the Tiger Miley Report, we're going to start doing some college write-ups. Uh, definitely. We have not. I've been looking at some stuff, and I've got some notes set aside, but I – in terms of like just who the Tigers possibly could draft or who players that overall, just kind of some draft profiles, because definitely got to flood the market with that a little bit. We we we're, we're meaning to. So as far as for Woodward Tigers coming up in terms of article wise, I'm working on 
I'm working on a little bit on the uh, probably look at again in terms of even Miguel Cabrera's year he's having right now for his age and some stuff over there and we're gonna have some video content too. If we if you want, there's something you want to see video wise us cover in terms of like a summary or something like that to the fact. If you have any ideas, please let us know on Twitter. I'm at Rajcast Baseball. Chris is at Chris uh, Chris Brown nine one four. You present Uper underscore IA. And then there's a show email, woodwardtigers at gmail.com. So just let us know if there's something, for example, one idea was kicking around the Randy Smith versus Alavila parallel stuff. And then we can, there's, there's plenty of things to talk about. So um, is there anything else before I go, we go this evening, Chris? Uh, no, I mean, did we, did we even mention how awesome Tarek Scoobal is? Did we mention? Oh, oh yeah. Scoob, he, he's called, uh, Dan Dickerson on the broadcast to call him Scoops. 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 Scoop. Well, it's so awesome. I, I looked, uh, you, you know, on fan you can can look at, uh, you know, live stats, updated stats. And, and he came into the game as the, uh, you know, second in baseball fan graphs in war at 1.7 behind Gossman at 2.7. And he bumped up to two after tonight's game. So he's the only other pitcher that's a two war pitcher. Um, Scoops. Nice. Yeah. He's, he's been awesome. Uh, it, his scoreless streak ended, right? But, uh, but still, it was the longest baseball this year, 21 innings, something like that. Yeah, 21 innings, yeah. And, uh, well, it's, it, to know, take I, that shot off the leg and come back and pitch like that is pretty good. I'll tell you. Impressive. Yeah, I, I just um, I tweeted out tonight, and I, I believe this, that, that he is re- uh, approaching the must-see status uh, that we haven't really had for a pitcher. Um, I mean, Matthew Boyd was kind of briefly in that area back in 2019. Or, um, but, you know. This is this is different. This is Scooble. He's twenty five. This is this is he's not Verlander, but he's trending along that path, and it's fun to watch. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So outside of that, thank you so much for listening to uh, Woodward Tigers. Like next week, like I said we'll, I will be live in Lakeland, and Chris will be manning the controls, or I'll be doing. I, I don't know. Yet. We'll figure that out. But we'll be, I'll be live in Lakeland from Wednesday or excuse me, Thursday night. But I will. I'll be in Lakeland from Wednesday until Saturday. Check out the, hopefully some rehabbing Tigers, maybe get a Riley Green appearance. We shall see. But either way, if there's anything we, in terms of trying to get some backfield stuff right now, I mean, I'm waiting on approval for that. So I did get press credentials, which is great. But back, the backfield's a little different, which I really want to get to and get some video and get out there as quickly as possible early in the ballpark. So I have to, I'll have to figure that part out. There's going to be a day where I'm just going to tell Kean, by the way, Tiger Minor League tracker just to drop me off and go about his day, and I'm just gonna go like the sound of music, like, yeah, in the middle of the grass. And no, I'm not gonna do that. But either way, uh, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Leave us a five star review, and of course, for the love of God, Patreon.com for slash Tiger Minor Report. No, for the love of God. I mean, I, look I, again. I don't ask our listeners for very much. They can throw us a dollar or two or PayPal to either whatever. If you can help us out goes a long way pays for cool stuff like the gear we use for the podcast and and going out and getting gas out there with gas being inflation's a mother effer and so there's a lot of things going on (laughs) so gas is gonna be five dollars before the end of summer (sighs) like just it's one of those things you you hear it and you know there's just i i I can't I, i don't know i it's wish I bought a hybrid uh, power washer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't regret not. Ha- I still don't miss my Prius, which was a long time ago. Anyway. Anyway. Get some <laughs> a little more. <laughs>
All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Have a great week, everybody. Good night.